Welcome to Romance with a Cocktail. I'm Peter. And I'm Ashley. And we're married. married. Thought you were going to skip out again no, for a second there. I wouldn't do that to you. So we're back. Had a week off. Had a week off. It's one of our only two weeks that we get off, so we better not skip any more days. Well, we're not ever reading Anna Karenina again. Well, we split so. it up into two weeks, which became three weeks. So, Well, it was long and I, hard to read. Just to let the record show, I was ready last week. You were. To go. I mean- <laughs> And you were not. It took almost every day of the three weeks for me to get finished. But I was sick, so it was really hard to read. But I kept on going, even when I was sick. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I might have finished it on time. Mm -hmm. It was tough, though. It was long. It was long, And you never knew what was important, so I felt like I really had to read it. I couldn't just skim. Um, I liked some things about it. It was kind of interesting. It really showed me how little I know about Russian history, really, mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to situate it and like think about how what's happening. Considering today's news, I was, was thinking like that with like the a maybe coup from the mercenary. Sounds like force. they're backing off now, though. So maybe well, now it's he's not going to Belarus. Who is the the head of the the mercenary force? Oh, geez. Like, apparently they brokered a solution like Lukashenko, who's, I think, the Belarusian president, called up the head of the mercenary force and said, we'll give you, like, exile here or whatever. I mean, do you really think that they're going to just let that go? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like, I don't you know. know, they kill people in chemical attacks But you know, he London. was, like, a really close... Like really close to operative Putin, of Putin, yeah. yeah. So it's just like it's hard to know. I know, and it's mm-hmm. scary. And mm-hmm. you know, I just I worry about my poor little Dagestanis that are oh, yeah. that I really do care do about. You, They're really um, good. Good. I mean, are they still for people. now just posting and? The Dagestanis? Yeah. yeah. Dagestan wrestling is still... Where is Dagestan in relation to all of it's this? It's next to Iran, basically. It's in the, as south as you can go. It's in the mountains. Okay. The Caucasus Mountains. Okay. Between the Black Sea, or a couple of seas. I don't know which So seas, this uh, is all happening Asia, north Asia, of, of them. Yeah, but I mean, Dagestanis, because they're sort of poor and okay. sort of country folk, are... I mean, they're one of the ones that'll get conscripted into this, these crazy types of things. Oh, have you seen that? I mean, if even? they're a famous wrestler, they won't because you know. You and get since that's special, usually who you follow, that's who I like. Yeah, know about. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but has that happened so far? With they're Ukraine, also very or? Muslim, so they they don't really fit Putin's like we're the savior of Western Christianity civilization. Oh, okay. Okay. They're all Muslim. Like Interesting. Abdul Rashid Sajulayev, what do you think that name is? Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Yeah. So they were obviously not part of Russia at some point and then kind of got like taken into Russia or they're just well, they an speak, interesting like they Muslim. They Rus- Russian, but they're um, so close to the Muslim world. I that's think what I was were, thinking. They were they converted, okay. I don't know, More just because of that. They're closer in culture in some ways. Yeah, they're right on the because border of right Iran. There. And, you know, and Iran's super Muslim, so, um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because so I have read a Lisa Kleypas novel mm-hmm. with Russian characters. Yeah. 
And religion also figures prominently in that novel. But it's, I'm sure Russian it's, orthodoxy. Yes, and I'm sure it's right. very um, not PC now. I don't think these novels probably aged well of Lisa's. No. Um, and there was like a certain mysticism in them. Well, the Eastern Orthodox are known as being very mystical. But at the same time, you know, I'm sort of friends with these, a bunch of Orthodox priests it's randomly. <laughs> and they have had some very harsh words for the prelate of the ortho, the Russian Orthodox oh, Church really? who's who's sort of blessed a lot of the stuff that's going on. It's sort of like a puppet of Putin. It's terrible. Oh. But I mean this book, obviously Anna Karenina though is 1870, so it's not Well you gotta think now, I mean it's not today's times. You know, I took that that class by that Catholic priest who like pretty much said Protestantism came about because it was a politi- it, it was politically expedient for the folks in the Holy Roman Empire who wanted to be able to do things that they couldn't do under Rome some which you know you think about Henry VIII I was saying I mean, in that case yes but I'm not sure that's wholly the truth I think there's more to it than that of course but I mean but Henry VIII, it, it yes, certain, he wanted to get a divorce. Well, it was also it was also true of Lutheranism. If you look at what who the benefactors of Luther were, they were people who had a political vested interest in. But what about all separating. the practices of indulgences and the corruption in the Catholic Church? Yeah, that's a whole different story. I, I mean, there it's. Uh, I think most good Catholics think that, that was a problem, but not a problem that merited schism, hmm. is what they would say. You know, I think that's the crux of what they'd say. I mean, I'm making, I'm simplifying it a bit, but, um, you know, schism's a, a, a major problem. So, well, if you want to hold on to all of your followers, I suppose it's a major problem. Well, it's, it's a major problem in the unity of the church. Just right, as, right. I mean, but it, it for people who are now Protestant, I'm not sure they'd look at it as a major problem. I think even Presbyterians who are schisming all the time see it as a problem. It, there's a problem when the but I'm not sure they would see the Protestant Reformation as a problem because they wouldn't exist. Well, there's this idea that Reformation can happen within the church. It's sort of like mm-hmm. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Do you want to work within the system or outside the system? What's better? And I think there are merits and drawbacks for each of those. Yep. Sometimes cases. it takes both. Oh, is that so? You just have decided. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one of the questions that did come up in Anna Karenina, right? The system was corrupt, and I mean, it's so obliquely phrased that like it's hard to know what's going on in the novel. But it seemed like they were having these talks about what could change and whether it could change, whether the systems in Russia could change and whether they should change. And Yeah, I just didn't have much of a context That's for what it. I mean. It was so hard. It was hard. I, I just sort of, I read it, but I was like, well, I don't have any way of really knowing what's going on at that time. Right. Well, certainly we couldn't, like, take a side mostly because... Well, you, you saw the mention of the czar regularly. Yeah. So you knew it was, like, aristocratic in, yeah. in nature. Um but it was um, sort of hard to hard to know because it, 
you know, there's also one of the major themes is sort of like European versus Russian. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. idea, you know, you've got this this uh, this couple who go to Europe and live there and can't really fit in and don't fit in and right. try to bring European practices and ideas back to Russia because there's a difference. And that, that like persists throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. There's this idea of like, European and Russian being different and here are the yeah. here are the similarities but here are the major contrasts which is interesting cuz you know a lot of Russians I mean they technically are part of Europe but there is sort of a big difference you know Russian and certainly western european yeah that's what i different. think western but even european. but even I, I don't know if you'd consider germany western european it's not really it's central european and the the contrast between russian and german is even pretty pronounced they go the one of the aristocrats remember she goes and lives in germany for a little bit kitty oh yeah didn't kitty go or live? i thought it was like switzerland but was it I think it was Germany, but it was a German-speaking aristocrat. I mean, wherever it was, it was Central Europe. And so there was that, and and there were definitely some um, contrasts. I mean, I think think all the – by the time they're writing this, certainly, and I think for the last century before that, all the families were related, like the – the royal family of England still is related. Their their name was German, right? Yes. And yes. they changed it in so World War II because mixing, yeah. people were like, oh, you've got a two German-sounding names. So. Yeah. And then the Russians are also were also part of the, the royal families of Europe. I mean, they were... They were, but I mean, you got to think Russia is a big country independent of Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. it has its own culture and traditions and they're kind of like, a, like yeah. some Western. Well, it's very, some... di- it's very diverse. Yeah. I mean, my Yakutians, which I've brought up True, before. True, although they didn't really figure and my the Dagest- novel at all. And my Dagestanis. No, but they're not the ethnically... world of the novel. Yeah, but I mean, they are part of Russia and the poor Yakutians are being sent to the Ukraine to die. She's very sad. Yakutians and the Dagestanis, just under the thumb of those fat cats in Moscow. Oh my gosh, Peter. <laughs> it's true. Um, there was a little bit of that, like Moscow, because remember, like the character, like he gets like a job that they know doesn't mean anything, but he gets 8,000 whatever rubles or whatever. Talking about Stephen. Yeah. Stephen gets a job. Yeah. yeah. And he like so it's like he's like getting money for doing no work or something. Well, he's not being that productive. Yeah, there is the there's this like idea that these jobs don't really do anything. There's a burgeoning can... bureaucracy building. Yeah, yeah, you do see that. So okay, so what do we have? There's something it's very red, very near and dear to your heart. And what is this? It's a red Russian. And why is that near to my heart? Because you're red. Peter. <laughs> I feel like maybe we need to like have a sensor or something and I can just play, push a buzzer when you say something. Have a 15 second delay and then you press the button. And it like erases whatever you just said. Yeah. Okay. So a red Russian, what's in it? Mm-hmm. Uh, cherry liqueur and vodka. Mm. 
another vodka drink. Yeah, you don't like it? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, vodka's not my liquor of choice. Oh, really? No. It's got a one. It's good vodka. Yeah, it's good. This is a fine drink. And we keep it in the freezer, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the novel, the ro- is it a romance novel? There's some romance in it. Yeah. Um, I think we found that that your definition is not sufficient. Well, but Kitty and Levin I know. live happily ever after. And so that by your definition, it is. But I think neither of us would consider oh, this no. a romance this novel. This was not a romance novel. It is like the least romantic novel so your, to me. So your definition isn't sufficient. It's like so sad. And right. Even the happy stories are kind of sad or like not that great. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It was a hard read for me. Yeah. So, what were we missing in the definition of romance novels? Just can't be that sad. Oh. Notebook's pretty sad, at least the movie. Yeah, but it's sad in the end. They live a long, happy life together full of love. Mm-hmm. And so they, I mean, she dies, but it's like, well, they in the movie it's kind of suggested that they both die, but um, in old age, and mm-hmm. like they have this love story that mm-hmm. brings them together. Yeah. Um, I suppose if it was a story of Kitty and Levin, there's potential that it could have been a romance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just didn't really like the characters that much, but the problem is like the central romance is really Anna and Vronsky. And it's sad, and it's mm-hmm. like very imbalanced. And by the end, it's she. It seems like she has like a mental illness. Oh, for sure. And she it's does. just worse and worse. And you just see her she like does. she commits suicide. I think most people would say you you have at that point. I know, but it's some like sort of diagnosable. You see mental it kind illness. of like she's kind of like devolving. Like I don't know what you call it, but like she's not I mean, like she's, being treated, and she's just getting more and more. Um, well, she's getting frantic. And sort yeah, of there's like this frantic impulsive. quality to what she's yeah. doing. That you j- and Frenetic. I don't know, you just wish you could just like stop her for a second. Well, I, I, think, I think that that highlights a problem that I've had throughout our reading of romance novels, which is... This sort of idea that you can throw caution to the wind as long as you really feel this deep love for Yeah, somebody. clearly Tolstoy did not believe that was the way to go. The world doesn't believe that's the way to go. The world thinks that that's terrible. Your feelings are very unreliable. Well, but unreliable. in a romance novel, like the romance novels I read, the people are at heart not selfish. And they are, even if they love each other and they throw caution to the wind... I mean, it's not like there are no romance novels where people get hurt, but like there are not kids getting hurt in romance novels that yeah, I read. Like, there's not like you're like, but it's just not realistic. That's yeah, but the that's thing. okay. It's a romance novel. It's supposed to be like. But why would you write something that's fantasy that doesn't have an emotional geography that could resonate in real life? The whole idea of fiction. Well, this and, resonates and in real life, and it's terrible. That's, Don't you think? I mean, uh, this could this be has real. different aims than a romance novel does. My point is, why wouldn't you want to celebrate love 
in such a way. I mean, that's what I like about literature is that it may not be true, but in some ways it gets at a deeper truth about life or humanity or the human condition or whatever, you know, it's sort of, you know, grapes of wrath didn't happen, but it happened. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, um, you know, a tale of two cities didn't happen, but it happened. Right. Like these great works of literature gave you insights that are realistic to life. And then when you create something that's just, it couldn't be realistic to life. What is it then? It's a fantasy. Well, I mean, I'm okay with it being a fantasy, but I don't know that I believe that. But then why not? Then why not even? Why even more? Why even more it to reality? Why not have unicorns and? uh, Because the thing is, in in romance novels, could happen, and maybe it's an idealized version of what could happen. But they can happen. I mean, you can meet someone and decide that you're willing to take the risk that you will be with them forever and love them, and that they will be like the most significant relationship of your life. That's very real. Do you think I'm arguing against that? No, but I don't, so I don't know why you think romance novels are fantasy. I think my biggest concern throughout this is sort of like this, um, well, I've called it emotional pornography. I know, I know. Sort of like, it's not realistic to how people act or how real life is. And then you're like, Throwing caution to the wind and because you just deeply love this person because he looks so good and acts kind of nice. And it doesn't even really set up how, how nice or good looking they are, but they're just sort of. I don't know why you're ta- we read Anna Karenina and now you're choosing to critique all romance novels. Not all of them. Some of them I liked. You know that. Well, I know. I think more you've liked than you haven't. At least somewhat. I mean, maybe yeah. I would say that you're more of them have been at least yeah. I, I, enjoyable but, to you than haven't been. Right. I would say, but the, the biggest issue I have with, I would say the majority of the romance novels is that there is this sort of like disregard for real life. So if you want to celebrate romantic love between mm-hmm. two people. You want to celebrate that by creating work of literature. You either moor it to reality and try to create some verisimilitude, or you don't. And that, but that's different. That's like sort of speculative fiction because I don't know what that would look like. That's either science fiction or speculative fiction or just something that's like outside of what we read. But when you moor it to reality, you're saying, at least to me, as somebody who reads a lot of these books, there is something deeply truthful about what you're about to read. But I think there is something deeply truthful about them. think there is in... In the books that we've read, maybe like half of them that we've read. Half of them are not. And I, we could go through... But it's not necessary today. I'm just recovering from my illness. I don't need a setback. <laughs> oh, this will, this will set you back? Heart rate up about you oh, saying that you they're so unmoored from reality. 
Well, I just don't know the deeper truth that they tell us. I, what I would say is probably half around that we've read. They're not the classics, obviously. Take out the classics. They, they're doing something else. I mean, they're obviously doing aiming at a deeper truth. I'd say half of them are not aiming at a deeper truth about even the love that they're depicting. There isn't some deeper thing. Everything doesn't have to be so deep. Well, I'm not. It's s- a hard world we live in. Sometimes we just want to enjoy well, a they, tale yeah. of two beautiful people who are nice and love each other and do good things for each other. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Then it's, it's a rom com. And that's fine too. Good number of them that were just. Yeah, rom-coms. and that's fine to me. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to. Right. But I feel like we read a 817-page book that was every one of those 817 pages. It was not like, oh, let me just skip a few pages here and there. What about it? So I feel like we should have more to say about the book itself. About this book? Yes. Oh, I've got plenty. You know, we already did one whole episode on it. I know, but a lot has happened since that episode. Right. So She hadn't left her husband and, like, gone to Europe. So I would say one one significant deeper truth, and the one that we're talking about here, is that you can't throw caution to the wind and just follow your feelings to the end. The, the well, end, you can, the end, but the, the end won't. The be. end will be you throwing yourself on on tracks under a train. That'll be the end. Of At you least to Tolstoy, following your feelings. At least to Tolstoy, that's what will happen to, to you. To to the exclusion of everything else. I mean, that is what happened. Like there was, she wouldn't even stay with her own child. I mean, that's when it was like, I was, I had no sympathy for her. Did you have any left? Yeah, I mean... Are you kidding me? She had an eight-year-old son who she was raising, and she said, you know what, I'll just leave him. But so she was supposed to just stay with this guy who wouldn't let her have her son? She chose to get married to him. She didn't have to get married to him. Yeah, but this she is 1870 in Russia. There's not like it's not like you just have and all by the these way, options. I think there was like this little thing. There was like a little part of it, and I don't. I probably didn't mark it, but like, um, what was her husband's name? Alex. Alex. Alex yeah. Or Alexei yeah. Alexandrovich. Yeah. He was sort of trapped into the marriage. He didn't. Even yeah, but it get wasn't her trying to trap him. It was all the like older people around her. It wasn't like she was trying to trap him. I know. She was just as trapped as he was. I I get it. So they were just cogs in a machine. But the truth is, you've got that contrasted with Levin, who turns out not to get eaten up by the machine. I know, but he got more and more annoying to me as the book went on. He's a little sanctimonious. A little. <laughs> it got like worse yeah. <laughs> throughout the book. I was like, oh my God. But, I, I mean, can't take him anymore. I think I think what it shows is like I mean I mean, I, I don't know why they felt like they had to show it, but I guess upper crust aristocratic Russia had become very decadent. And they were starting to do that. Well, and you saw that you sort in the of book. Saw I felt like you saw Betsy, that there. Just... Betsy's just like sleeping around. 
Vronsky's mom is just sleeping around. They're all just sort of just like sleeping well, around. Well, then like Steven is just spending all his money sleeping around. They're getting these right. jobs. They give them a bunch of money and no one else yeah. has any money. So it's gotten very decadent. So they have Levin as kind of like. He's living in the country. He's removed yeah. himself. Even when he goes to the city, he but starts. But then remember he goes to the city and he starts spending money and yeah. like losing his sense of morality. Yeah. And, you know, Tol- they say Tolstoy modeled Levin on himself, mm-hmm. or at least his view of himself. Oh, I understand it. It's it's a real thing. I get it. But, I mean, he was still annoying. I mean, your fellow alumnus, good old Tom Wolfe, wrote Bonfire of the Vanities. Could have been could have been St. Be- Petersburg instead True. of New York City, right? True. yeah. I mean, everyone's got to keep up with everybody, and like, even though they're all wealthy, they don't they have any money. They can't live like, within their means, and they like, but they, they like don't have any mechanism at this point. You already see it starting to kind of fall apart. Like, they don't have any money. Like, people can't buy anything, and they or they do. They like buy it with what I don't really understand. They Remember, have land. Like, he that can't they sell. sell his land for what he needs to sell it for anymore. Well, he can, like, but he has to like strike a good deal, and and Levin's trying to tell him that he's. You know, nickels on the dollar. He's charging for his land. Yeah, but then Levin ends up doing it too. Well, but he keeps he stays in the country. He doesn't sell all his land. Like no, he goes Stephen. back to the country. Yeah, so you do see that, like that. You can see those problems starting to and arise did, in the and society. And Levin doesn't sell his land for nickels on the dollar, but he, he does when he's in. Were they in Saint Petersburg or Moscow? Moscow, I think. And he starts spending all his money, remember? And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to get more money. Mm-hmm. And he's selling land for much less than he would have because he that's the only way oh, he... Or he's that. selling his woods or whatever he's selling, his wheat. Remember. He's selling things to get money to pay for all the stuff that he needs to pay for. Well, it's hard to keep all the details straight yeah. because it was a very meandering novel with lots of different... Like, little details here and there and lots of random characters and yeah but it's like so sad i mean it's also shows like love and feelings can be really desperate because they also she does commit suicide but then like when vronsky thinks he can't be with her he shoots himself <laughs> yeah that was a that whole was thing. like very weird it, like yeah. all of a sudden he just but shoots he misses himself. yeah somehow he misses enough that he doesn't actually die yeah. he just has a wound for a while <laughs> That was weird. And so it's like this obsession, love and obsession, and the like and thin line. And everyone's them. like okay with that whole thing. It must be Russian is all I'm thinking. Like, I don't know anybody who's like tried to kill themselves and everybody's like cool with it right afterwards. <laughs> well, I mean, there was definitely a sense that like men could just do what they wanted. I guess. And they were not judged in the but same the, way. Because like he's out in society. Look at Alex. It's not true. It was, it's more like if you had like a personality that like the, the society liked, then you could do anything. That's true. But you had to fit, like you had to be likable. Yeah. I guess. But you weren't held to the same standards as women for certain things. Like, like Vronsky could still go about Steven, in society. Steven and Vronsky were very well liked and like kind of Yeah. And they were like cool. not very moral. And then Levin wasn't very liked and a Ale- Alex or Alexi wasn't very like. Yeah. 
And he was just very clever, is right. what they said, and, so. and like very good at politics or whatever. Yeah. And so, like nobody really liked him, so he struggled more than a lot of people did. And so did uh, so did Levin because they weren't they weren't liked, right? They weren't the same. They weren't in the way Somehow. of the yeah. rest of the aristocracy. But but Vronsky was liked, and he was still able to go around and do even after he left with. Anna and just like entered into this affair. Meanwhile, she was like stuck at home and no one would come see her or even talk to her because they didn't want to be judged. Yeah. And then there was this, that whole weird thing where I think um, didn't didn't Levin start kind of like being attracted to Anna? Yeah, it was like so weird. So that was like I think it was just show like how St. Peter or Moscow was acting on him or something like so he's out, and then Stephen is like, let's go see Anna. And he goes, and he's, like, captivated by her or something. It was very weird. Like, why? Why did that I even happen? I didn't expect that. Like, why did things. that even? But it was only, like, a momentary, like, night where he went there. But it was just. I mean, and then after Anna was like, yeah, it was good to, like, get that attraction. Like, she was trying to cultivate that because that was, like, at that point. Yeah. Because they kind of took her from in the beginning. She was, like, supposed to be this, like, great woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they kind of took her and just had her just get worse and worse. Yeah. And I don't like that a lot. I think, I feel like there are probably, there have to be critiques of this novel. And the portrayal of Anna. But maybe not. I mean. Um, why? Because she's not strong enough? Maybe. Or just because she's like. Maybe not. Maybe because it's supposed to show what happens when you have this obsessive love that makes you give up everything else. And you. I'm sorry. She had a child. Yeah, but she didn't have a way. To keep, she would have taken her child with her. He wouldn't let her. Let's say you, like, lost your mind. You went absolutely mad. You became a different person. Mm-hmm. You probably- and I couldn't love you anymore because you were, like, I don't know, abusive or something. Something crazy. You, like, lost your mind. Right. You just lost your ability to regulate yourself and, like... You know, you could be okay on your own, but you couldn't live with me. Anymore, right. Right. There is no chance that I would meet somebody and just because of how they looked and acted, I would fall in love with them to the point that I would be run away with them to another country and abandon my children. There is just no way that that would ever happen. It would never, ever, ever happen. Regardless of what happened to me, that would never happen. And I'm sorry, it's even more shocking when a mother, when that happens to a mother. I'm surprised you're not, that you're defending it. Like That's oh, what I mean. I'm, Why? I'm sympathetic Why do we have to, like, think that we can just paint her as a bad, all bad, and it's fine to do that because she's a mother? The dad was equally bad, and it was not... He was not, he, she would have taken her son. Oh, I've got all, I, I, he was, he kind of was like 
because you saw it a lot through Anna's eyes that like he wasn't very nice and he was super sarcastic and sort right. of like hard to be with. And he didn't treat his son well, but he wouldn't I let him it. go because he wanted he wasn't willing to let Anna have his her son. So because, So Anna was supposed to that, stay there? Well, I certainly think that she did a poor job of um maintaining a relationship with her son. So, I mean, it just because you're with somebody, you didn't, he didn't, she didn't even have to be with him. Like in terms of being intimate, she didn't even have to live in the same house as him. She had to keep up appearances was all he asked. I know. And she still gave that up, but she was going to give it up. But then I'm not sure if I was in an abusive relationship with you, if you were hitting me, regularly i i'm not sure i would give up being a father i'm not sure i would run away to another country and give up being a father to my children i'm sorry i just i just i'm not defending that action i'm just saying maybe it's not like enough to just i don't think we should just condemn her out of hand with no consideration of the circumstances i am condemning her in the harshest of terms she is trash she is terrible. You need to stop. That she is, is. No, I'm sorry. You can't go to another country, abandon your child. That guy's a monster, and you're going to leave your child but with a monster? But she had no recourse. It was 1870 in Russia. She, she had, had recourse. She could have lived with being without a lover. Without <laughs> a lover. Just not have any lover. Not have a husband that she was ever with. She could have lived without him. She could have lived with the son. Now, it's one thing... If you were like abusing me in some way, like the kids knew about it and it would like, and, and maybe the kids were getting abused. Well, then you have to run away with the kids maybe. Right, right. But no, I'm not no... saying she was, comes across as a good person, I'm but sorry. I also think Tolstoy wrote believe, her in a way. I can't believe you would, there are like these passages where they like talk about what the son thinks about. And how he feels. Oh, it's terrible. Like how I was crying. Oh, I read it I and I was not. crying. It was the worst thing ever. I would, like, even just thinking about it right now makes me so upset and angry. Like, I'm, like, getting a little creeper right now. Yeah, but you would never, let's say something happened and I, like, lost my mind. Because clearly she's also mentally ill. So we have to, like, take into account that she, even in that point, you can already tell that, like, she has, like, all these, like, erratic behaviors. She'll be like, no, I'm staying. No, I'm going. No, I'm staying. And then all of a sudden she just goes. Like, it was just like, such I'm going. Such a modern cop out. But. It's such a modern. First of all, Tolstoy was not writing a mentally ill person. You don't think? No chance. Uh, spiritually and morally ill person, yes. But no chance he was writing anything clinical about her mental illness. Oh, really? Illness. But, I mean, it seems clinical the way he, she's written. I mean, she's paranoid. By the she end, throws she's, herself she's because she's paranoid. She is the end, delusional. No, she can't. But not when she runs away. She loses touch with reality. He's not. He's not putting little seeds of evidence of clinical mental illness. Oh no, I don't think so. But in but it, she is already too impulsive. Like too. Um, oh yeah, she emotional. is morally and spiritually ill. Yes, I agree. 
I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you agree with me. Sometimes when you sound like Levin, it's not <laughs> it's not sexy. Right, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um but I'm just saying like you we can't know. Oh, what I was going to say is but if I lost my mind and I ran away somewhere, which is like in, unfathomable. However, let's say I actually lost my mind. You never know what can happen to people, right? You wouldn't act like the dad in the novel. And so our kids wouldn't, you might act like that toward me, but you would never act like he acts toward his son. I don't so know. So you, you think you would just be mean and treat them poorly and not try to like love them and show them care? It's and- such an unimaginable circumstance. But I don't think that I would be able to shield them from every sense that I am resentful. Well, I kids on the are other very hand, perceptive. Kids are very perceptive, and they I think would that's know what I was showing. sad. But they would never. I would never. If I did take it out on the kids. Yeah, but they might know you were resentful. They would know I was sad because I don't really. They might I'm not a resentful person. I don't. If I did, did you really wrong? If I did you really, really wrong, you might resent me. It's I'm hard. Sorry. I mean, but that's just not how I am. It's really hard to imagine a scenario in which I would be like that. But maybe. What if it was like we both know somebody who had like a husband who had another family? Yeah, but my first. What if that? What if? What if, that to, what if that came to light? What if I said I was going on business trips and it turned out I had another family? Unlike the main characters in this novel, I would put the kids first. Right. And while I would be in here, and but I'm sure I'd be very they, sad and angry at you, and it's not like they wouldn't know they're older now; they're not little anymore. Good. That's what I'm saying. However, I kids would never, but I wouldn't treat them poorly because of what you did. And he did treat his son poorly. What did he do? I don't remember. He exactly remember he was he super hard on him and was always telling him he was dumb and like he wasn't learning and he was just he was mean to him, yeah. belittling him. I know they go a little far, but even I, as a good father go too far with my own son. It's hard. Fathers and sons, you kind of have to teach your kid to be I think we just give, you're just like willing to give the men, oh, it's hard, it's hard. No, I'm hard on myself. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made plenty of mistakes. But you do want to teach your kid, especially a boy, to compete. But you know what I did think, surprisingly, in a like a whole different direction? I did think that Vronsky actually did really care about her. I mean, not enough to yeah. like stop going out and stuff, but mm-hmm. he he did. And I think when we talked last time, I didn't think he would. I thought he would just like, you know, like be done with her. And while he was frustrated with her, I think both of them. I think they're both types. That just follow their feelings. And I think that's very instructive for this modern age because this modern age says that feelings are the most important thing. So if you feel a certain way, you should just go along with it. Yeah, but I I think you're wrong about romance novels. I don't think that they just say abandon everything for feelings. In fact, they typically are about finding a way 
to hold true to the most important things in your life while you develop this relationship with another person. So there are two things that happen. One is, you, you, that may be true, but then there's another sort of thing that happens where fate sort of aligns so that they have to follow their feelings despite all these social pressures to do otherwise. Yeah, but and that happens a lot. in such a way that it's the best thing for both yeah. of them. Like, oh, there's only one room at the inn over and over and That's over. That's just because women have been so repressed for so long that they need that idea that it is like fate is telling them that they have to not always follow the like dictates of a society that would keep them from what's best for them. It's the best thing about feminism. What? That women can do all sorts of stuff in the bedroom now. <laughs> well, there you go. At least I don't know that I'm going to give you credit for that, but at least you can say, cheers, imagine. Cheers to sexual no, experience. No cheers for that. <laughs> You're really ready for this tonight, huh? Well, I mean, it, it's a great novel. It's obviously a great oh, novel. Oh, so you think it is a great novel? Of course. I couldn't tell. Or am I to argue with like great thinkers in literature? Like, it doesn't make any sense for me not to. No, but did you really, as you were reading, think this is great? Like, you would audibly, when you were reading mm-hmm. Jane Eyre, be like, I love this. And you just throw Jane I, into you conversation. Know, my, my main issue, and I don't like it's it's an aesthetic, maybe, preference, um, is I don't like broad sweeping but you like the wild rose mortman yeah um somehow it seemed tighter it wasn't so tangential it wasn't so like wandering as this i mean it did it seemed that was broad and sweeping but like this is just too Oh, I mean, you're telling me you know me. I definitely don't. I like mean, if I were if I were Russian, I'd probably get a lot more out of it. I guess because there would be a lot of stuff blanks I could fill in. Right. But there was just a lot of stuff that I just didn't know, background wise. Not that I knew a lot about Hungary. Wasn't Wild Rose Hungarian? Yeah. But I felt like she did such a good. She was American, so she knew what we didn't know, and so she so filled Mortman it in, filled and so it, it wasn't in. so culturally inside. So like everything was like when it was in Hungary, which wasn't that much actually. No. it was just the beginning. Yeah. It was in Hungary, and well, the and then there were parts in Hungary, but they were modern, so it was a little bit easier to right. make sense of them. Yeah, this was this was much, and hers was always about those relationships. Whoever it was, no matter where you were in yeah. the novel, there was always an important relationship. In this, it was just like you're reading along, and all of a sudden, yeah. you're like talking about elections, and all these people are being mentioned, and you're like, "Do I care about any of these people? Probably right, not." Right. I mean, and then there's like you know, I've read some Tolstoy. The I the judge is yeah. dying, Ivan Ivanovich or whatever. That Ilovich or it's whatever. It's got an L in it, I know. Whatever yeah, that I know what one is. Yeah. Um But that's more like a novella. That seemed very tight and like focused. Yeah. But I mean this is also very long. And I thought it and I thought it was I remember thinking it was a masterpiece after I read it. Oh okay. Kind of like I read Goethe 
for example. Like he's German and like, you know, it's a little bit different and the context is different and um, it's historical and culturally different, but like you can tell that they're a master. Right. You right. know, right away. Um, even the, you know, the Italian romance that I... Italian romance. I read uh, Pope Francis's favorite book. Um, Il Promessi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have read a... See, there's another romance. Is it actually a romance? Yeah, it's a romance. I think. Yeah, you're like, maybe. Maybe not. I don't remember how... To, I don't remember if it's a happy ending. Well, I'm willing to consider that it doesn't have to be a happy ending, but it can't be an ending where the woman throws herself in front of a train. Like well, this that, one. But then there's also Kitty and Levin who are live happily ever after. Yeah, and it's just more that my desire and my interest in writing, like I just found it kind of like... Well, The Wild Rose, your favorite boring. romance novel has a brutal gang rape in the middle of it. So I wouldn't say that throwing yourself under a train is worse than the brutal gang rape. That's sort of like... Yes, but throwing yourself in front of a train because you feel like the guy that you are love in love with, the central romance... It's not. The central romance turns out to be Levin and Kitty. Fine, but it is so understated. There's not a lot of romance that you get to see it in is, Levin and Kitty. It is called Anna Karenina. So, right. So I don't know that we can I'm argue on, that. I'm not on super solid ground saying it's the central romance. But in but, a way, Levin is equally. I mean, we literally follow Levin through all these random things just like we follow Anna. I bet if you count pages, it's not. Uh, it's. It might um, even be more Levin, honestly. Yeah. So he's like... Equally, I know it's called Anna Karenina, but and Levin is the one who gets the happy ending. I mean, he even finds God and faith in the end. I know. When I read that part, I thought you were going to tell me that you really, really thought this was a great novel. But well, I do. I um, I wonder if Tolstoy. It'd be interesting to read if he was ever like interviewed about his novel. Yeah. Because I I think a lot of folks would say I I wonder if he was conscious of the idea that like Levin worked his way backwards towards love with a spouse. Mm-hmm. Like really if you read like um, I'm going to bring up another pope. This will be the second pope that I brought How, up. Who, who, other than you, would bring up two popes on um, a novel about, well, on you a read podcast the- about Anna Karenina? Theology of the Body uh-huh. by Pope John Paul uh, II. Um, there, there is this sense that, like, the theological love orders the other loves and to to enter into a marriage without having an understanding of theological love is sort of like um 
it will be very hard for you to to um, make sense of love with another. Otherwise, without theological love, you end up like Vronsky and Anna. You just end up, this is how I feel, so I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Or you end up with societal pressures, which is really what you get the sense that Levin is doing. So maybe he was conscious of it, now that I think about it. You know, when he was first wanting to propose to Kitty, you didn't get the sense that he was in love with Kitty at all. He, I think in the beginning, wasn't he like thinking, wasn't he in love with all of Kitty's sisters? No, he oh. was in love with Kitty. He knew he loved Kitty. But he I wanted think, to propose to Kitty because did, he was in love with her. Didn't she have other sisters? She did have sisters, but but I, I think I think early on there was the idea maybe that, he went that like he he was sort of infatuated. Kind of, yeah, but with then it. he settled on Kitty. Well, this is what we talked about when I'd already only read the half, which is infatuation versus love, which is a very big deal or a, a, a strong theme. Yeah. This. I I think. Without the order, you get either societal pressure of this is what love is, mm-hmm. and so you're expected to get married, so get married. And we we both know people who are who who make that their chief concern. Right, so that becomes sure. their god. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's a, it's a it's sort of like a form of idolatry. This becomes your god. Like I care most in the order of priorities of my life what society thinks about me, what the important people in my world think about me, which leads to no good end. Or you're like Vronsky and uh, and Anna, and it's just what I feel it has nothing to do with society. I'm going to give up society. I'm going to totally give up society, and I'm going to love based on what I feel for this one person because I feel this way. And that's crazy. It's cra- What's crazy to me is that love persists throughout this whole novel. I think that's the most unrealistic thing because I think we are fickle. And I don't care what you say. Like as soon as you go through moves and you've like gone abroad and all this stuff, I don't think I don't think a love like that persists. But we've gone through moves. We've had to go. My love is ordered. Oh, your love is ordered. So that well, I had a love for God before I proposed to you. True. That's all I'm saying. I had oh. a, I had a love for God before I proposed to you because then I understood what love as a commitment really looks like. I understand what agape love was, what philos love was, what eros <laughs> love was, what the different loves looked yeah. like. Well, that's referenced in here is different, the different loves. Is it? It is. It's in the first part, like before, not the second half, in the first half, there's this discussion of the kinds of love. And it's actually talking about the same thing. And I only understood the reference because you've always talked about the different kinds of love. So then I recognized it. I can't believe it. But anyway, um, so now that I think about it, now that I've talked about it, I think maybe he did intend for it. But it'd be interesting to to know if that's what he intended to show. That like both of those are sort of wrong. Like he initially got into this marriage for the wrong reason. Because I think, I mean, my sense was Levin got into the marriage with Kitty, not because he loved Kitty, but because 
but because he was expected to get married and she seemed like a good enough person based on all the societal pressures. Maybe. I didn't read it that way, though. I read that he loved her and he wanted to be with her from the beginning. Just because she was pretty? Maybe that, but I definitely like, what got... did he know of her? He knew nothing No, I agree, but I didn't get the sense that he didn't. Like, it was, it seemed like from the beginning he wanted to marry her because he loved her, and then he was so hurt. But what does that mean? What does it mean that he loved her? He didn't know her. Yeah, but that's 1870s in Russia. Uh, so I mean, I'm that's... sorry. He didn't love her. Well, he thought he loved her. His love persisted. No. She said she loved him and no. wanted to get married. No. So whether it's meaningless, it that's seems my like point. It to it's, us, it's not. It's maybe not ordered. Tolstoy didn't really know how to depict it's a love. D- disordered love. But Kitty was already had faith. Kitty in the beginning was very fickle herself. Yeah, but she was like a kid. Okay. But and she was hurt. But I mean, I'm I mean, just saying, like, so she, later on, she she was. But humbled. even when she gets she married, she was seriously humbled before she right. got to the point where she was. She had come around, right? Yes. That's true. But by the time they got married, she had already yeah. gone through that change. I mean, nobody's like a like a hero, really. I think that's the main thing. No, although I mean, Dolly is a pretty good person. In the end, she turns out to be a pretty good person, Stephen's wife. Why do you say that? Because even when Anna was totally rejected, she would go and be her friend. Oh, well, I didn't get that. And I, she stayed I don't think with it, her husband. Because I don't think she would like. I don't think Tolstoy thought she was a good person. Really, I think she was a good person because she was like the one. No. She was a constant. She was a constant person. Do you, she, do you remember like? Levin starts judging her really harshly. Yeah, but Levin is a... Oh, Levin drove me nuts by the end. I was like, I don't like you, Levin. Tolstoy... Loves Levin, yes. Levin. But clearly Tolstoy and I would not have gotten along. Well, I think... I think they... I think she's motivated by social concerns. But she's still... And exactly, yet she... I didn't think those, hold to I those, think those are the and two went gods. to her friend and saw Anna. I think those are the two gods. But she re- she didn't Feelings worry. Feelings and She society. was the only one. She was the only one who said, you know what? I get it, but that's... I am concerned about society, but I am going to go, and I am going to be a friend to Anna because she is my friend, and I care about her. And she took care of her kids. But not that well. Even though they got on her nerves, she still took care of them the best <laughs> The best she could. I thought she was did the best job of that. I mean, I know Levin and Kitty are supposed to be the best, but they were annoying. <laughs> Levin, I mean, oh my gosh. He like can't even speak because she talks to another man. And I'm just, oh, I just couldn't with that. Levin, annoying. Hmm. He's just so sanctimonious and so prideful. Yeah, I mean, he's also humiliated and humbled a lot, so I wouldn't say that he's prideful. He does want to try to stick to his principles, and it's very difficult. I guess, but it was annoying to me. Not going to well, lie. Well, it was annoying because you saw his, you you read his internal dialogue going yes. in his mind. But it wasn't annoying 
the way he acted wasn't necessarily annoying. No, because he barely acted in any way. It was all listening to his thoughts about what was going on. Well, what if my internal dialogue sounds like that? You, oh, you, you know, annoyed? I'm not going to lie. In the first half, I said that you and Levin kind of sound alike. But yeah, that's what my mind is like. Levin got, I thought Levin just kind of got more annoying to me. Welcome to my brain. Oh my gosh, stop. But I love you, so it's okay that your brain is like that. I See, guess. you love me, and so you're willing to let it go when you love me. But but Levin, I didn't love. Yeah, that's. I really didn't like when he got all up in arms because Kitty was talking to that guy. When Kitty clearly loved Levin, I was like, Levin. But they always relax. They always reconcile, like within the argument. I know, but wasn't that annoying to you that they were constantly getting in arguments and then constantly reconciling? And I'm like, oh my gosh, just that's like us. Y'all love each other. No, it is not like us. Yes, they, we. You said you loved me because I challenged challenge you. is different from they get jealous of each other and they fight and then they like make up. That is different. They can't just accept that they love each other and move forward. Well, and then he like felt pity for his little baby because he didn't know how to love his baby for a while. And then he ended up loving. his. You've baby. never felt jealous of me. Jealous of somebody else? No. In their interactions with me? Not since we got I married. I should give you cause to make No, you, you should not. I want you to be jealous. Have you ever been jealous or concerned about my interactions with someone else? Yes. Name a time. Do you want me to name it Since on we got married. Since we got married. They were already married. Since we I mean, we've married. known each other since we were 17, so it's a little bit different. But, like, since we got married, have you ever, for one second, doubted that I no, loved I you? No. No. And that I, no, neither have I. But I, um, I might not have doubted that you love me, but I don't, but I do doubt that you've been... Like I'm sure, I'm sure I felt feelings of jealousy. Really, I can't imagine. Why would you ever? Because I mean, I want to be with you like because, every minute of the because day. Because you, yeah, but because, I mean, literally, like I want to be with you all the time. Like you are annoyed because I want to be with you all the time. But because you, like, you love George Clooney, for example. <laughs> you laugh, but like. <laughs> do, do I do I have anybody that holds a candle to you? I'm sure you do. I don't. I'm sure. I don't. What about Kate Winslet? You always liked her. Yeah, I think she's pretty, but yeah. she I've never said. But you don't have any I don't have anyone that holds a candle to you. Either. You've said I you've think already you are too like late. the best. It's too late. You've already said no. that. That George Clooney is the only one who holds a candle to me. You've already said that. Those are exact words. Yes, I said that when I don't even think I was. We were married when I said that. I think I said that when I was like a kid. No, I don't believe so. I mean, but like realistically. By the way, where I saw Miley Cyrus singing, um, "Man of uh, Sorrow," you know the "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou" song. Yeah, was in a tribute to George Clooney. 
Really? I wonder why they're doing a tribute to George Clooney. And that's what made me think. I got to see some Miley Cyrus. You know, Mark Moon saw Miley Cyrus. I did not know that. In concert. Yeah, and I was like, when I saw that he saw him, her, I was like, oh, it's so poppy. It's such a Mark Moon thing. But then you listened. But then I listened to her and she's got a great voice. Like very astonished by the Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Guys, See, you shouldn't voice. make assumptions. I feel like Levin makes assumptions too. It's true. You and Levin, you and Tolstoy, I guess, are just like two peas in a pod. It's true. But anyway, so I mean, I feel like we've probably already been talking for an hour. We have. So we'll not. Do you have any quote that you just have to share? I mean, there were some pretty good ones, but I didn't mark them, of course. But I remember thinking, oh, if I was going to mark a quote, I would mark this. I had like a ton of. Oh, I'm quotes. sure. Like just quote after quote. Because there were some good things. Like this, it you can. It obviously is a a novel that is like worth reading. It's just to enter into the, all the details of your feelings. I have no right, and besides, I regard that as useless and even harmful. Began Alexey and Alexandrovich. Ferreting in one's soul, one often ferrets out something that might have lain there unnoticed. Your feelings are an affair of your own conscience, but I am duty-bound to you, to myself, and to God to point out uh, to you your duties. Our life has been joined not by man, but by God. That union can only be severed by a crime, and the crime of that nature brings its own chastisement. <laughs> outwardly, everything was changed. Or outwardly, everything was the same, but their inner relations were completely changed. Something like that. That's true. <laughs> you know how that is. One dream haunted her almost every night. She dreamed that both of her. Oh, I love this. This was a great passage. One dream haunted, you remember this? One dream haunted her almost every night. She dreamed that both were her husbands at once and that both were lavishing caresses on her. Alexei Alexandrovich was weeping, kissing her hands and saying, how happy we are now. And Alexei Vronsky was there too. And he too was her husband. And she was marveling that it had once seemed impossible to her was explaining to them, laughing that this was ever so much simpler, and now both of them were happy and contented, but the dream weighed on her like a nightmare, and she awoke from it in terror. Oh, You thought that was... Oh, I was like, that happens. Yeah. I was like, man, <laughs> that magical thinking. I get it. And that, that made me like really... And you know how much I detest... Yeah, clearly you do. But I was like, hearing that makes me like a little empathetic towards her. Really? Yeah, because I'm like, he really like got into her thinking. It's kind of like Nabokov and like Lolita. Like these Russians, they just get into the minds of these, the psyches of these really broken people. And somehow you're like sympathize with them. Like Lolita's about a, like a not I guess not a pedophile, but somebody who wants to victimizes have a younger with women. Yeah. And 
And like he, you get he, he does the same thing. You you get into a, the psyche, and you're like, "Why am I sympathizing? This yeah. is really messed up." That was I like that. In the early days after his return from Moscow, whenever Levin shuddered and grew red, remembering the disgrace of his rejection, he said to himself, "This is just how I used to shudder and blush." thinking myself utterly lost when I was plucked in physics and did not get my remove, and how I thought myself utterly ruined after I had mismanaged that affair of my sister's that was entrusted to me. Yet now that years have passed, I recall it and wonder that it could distress me so much. It will be the same thing, too, with this trouble. Time will go by and she'll not mind about this either. Oh, I know. You just felt that with Levin. You did. You felt how Levin felt about things, didn't you? Like how he would like. I felt his humiliation because I'm always feeling humiliated. Again, and how he would like worry about things that were like really not that mad. I mean, this is obviously a big deal, but like a lot of stuff that he would worry about, it was like not that big of a thing. But it would like turn over in his mind and he'd feel bad about it. I was like, Peter's going to like. He needed a little therapy. Yeah. Peter's going to. He's like a great guy. He really is. He's a good person, but he he, like really needs. Some ace strategies so he could say. (laughs) This is how my mind works. I can, I can let this <laughs> thought go. I don't have to fuse to this Yes. Thought. Yes, he yes. did. He really did need that. Need some strategies. <laughs> Yashvin, a gambler and a rake. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's funny. I would have read that and not really known what it meant. But now I, you're like, you yeah. know the vocabulary. I'm impressed. A man... Not merely without moral principles, but of immoral principles. <laughs> Yashvin was Vronsky's greatest friend in the regiment. Vronsky liked him both for his exceptional. Oh, there's the part. I need to find that part where they talk about Vronsky's worldview. Oh, yeah. That was But that was in the first half. He was a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah, you said that. I mean, I didn't have quite the reaction that you did to oh. it. But what does it mean? Who is he? How I, ought I to love him? If I don't know, it's my fault. Either I'm stupid or a naughty boy, thought the child. And this is what caused his dubious, inquiring, sometimes hostile expression and the shyness and certainty which Vronsky found so irksome. This child's presence. Oh. Oh. And I it know. goes on and on. It made, it just, made, that like kept me, me thinking that Vronsky was a bad person. Yeah. Even when he wasn't as bad, it was like that attitude toward the kid. No, he's like a so sociopath. Bad. He's like the worst. So he's worse than Anna because yeah. he has a ton of power. And In some ways, Anna's pitiful. I got to find the, the part. But that's he, earlier, so I don't know. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm sure I highlighted it. I'm sure it's like a long, long thing. Um, Now I'm going back through it. It's been a little while, you know. Yeah, for like, you, oh, you were done a week earlier than me. So yeah. this is really good. I thought we were going to do it last week, so I had to hustle through <laughs> this. 
Yeah, but again, that was in the first half. So that would have been in your super early quotes because... I, no, I don't think it was. Bad as this might be, it was anyway better than a rupture which would put her in a hopeless and shameful position and deprive him of everything he cared for. But he felt helpless. He knew beforehand that everyone was against him and that he would not be allowed to do what seemed to him now so natural and right but would be forced to do what was wrong and it seemed the proper thing to them. Hmm. Who was that? Alexei? No, Vronsky. No, Vronsky. All right, so, okay. I mean... My doubt... Okay, the priest waited a few seconds to see if he would not say any more. Closing his eyes, he said quickly with a broad Vladimirsky accent, Doubt is natural to the weakness of mankind, but we must pray that God in his mercy will strengthen us. What are your special sins, he added without the slightest interval, as though anxious not to waste time. My chief sin is doubt. I have doubts of everything. And for the most part... I am in doubt. Doubt is natural to the weakness of mankind, the priest said, repeated the same words. What do you doubt about principally? That was, yeah. I like that whole. That's what I thought. That's why I thought you would really, you know, get behind this. Mm-hmm. All right, so, I mean, is there any last things you feel like you need to... Well, I want to find that one section about Levin's worldview. Can you search for it, maybe? No, not Levin, Vronsky's worldview. Vronsky's, yeah. Oh, we we didn't even talk about uh, Levin's brother and the whole alcoholism and, like, dying. I know. I thought that was... I love that whole part. Oh, you did? yeah. I thought it was very true. Oh, I just I just loved that Kitty. Then the Kitty became heroic. She did. I was going to say that made Kitty more than just this simple character who wanted to get married. It made her like you're like she is good. That's why you and love she me so much. Cares. Cuz I'm like so good at taking care of stuff. You are. You are like that. You are the person even when That's why I should have been a nurse instead of whatever I'm doing now. Instead of difficult. raising money, I should be a nurse. You know what? I will support you. If you want to be a nurse. That's uh, too late. I mean, it's not unlike your dad. At 50, you could go become a nurse. Yeah. I can't find it. Oh, well. Maybe we can start next week with that. Yeah. Before we move into some, you know, pop novel that you're like, we can uh, go back and be like, okay, we had to do this. <laughs> Is that we what I do? Like, I go <laughs> in your mind. You do. You may not say those words, but like, so maybe before we go in, you can find it, mm-hmm. and we can like read it because I know exactly what you're talking about. Where it literally lists like how what he thinks are like his rules to live by. Yeah, and it. So I know exactly the part you're talking about. Yeah, but it was pretty early on. Um, because you already talked about it last time, and then you brought it back up today. 
Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it was in the first 400 pages or so. It had to be. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. But anyway, so for next time, you can bring that up and we can finish our discussion of Anna Karenina because, again, I am impressed with myself that I managed to read it. Yeah. I'm, Even imp- I'm impressed too. If I didn't really want to read it. <laughs> Like, it was like the big joke at school. I'd be like at work and I'd say, oh, I got to go read Anna Karenina tonight. It became a joke? <laughs> it did. Because I was so busy these last couple of weeks and I was sick. And I'm just like, yeah, I got to go read Anna Karenina. And they'd be like, can you work on this? I'm like, yeah, but I got to read Anna Karenina. I got to read Anna Karenina. I was like taking it around with me at school even, like where I was like, oh, I'll have five minutes. I'll read Anna Karenina. Or like when I'm at Wana at... Uh, Cracker Barrel the other morning to drive. Mm-hmm. I was when she got there. I was like reading Anna Karenina in the driver's seat, <laughs> waiting for. Her. So it just became this joke that I was constantly worried about reading Anna Karenina. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, get into a a good Judith McNaughty, and then you'll. So back. we have. I'm going to give you a choice. Actually, speaking oh. of Judith McNaughty, do you want to read Lord of Scoundrels? Mm. By Loretta Chase, which is like a, you know, one of those like seminal works of romance. So it's old and who knows what we're going to find. Or do you want to read Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez? Is there um, uh, a rape and then falling out? I've never read it, but there could be. (laughs) (laughs) It's old enough that there could be. I'm going to read that one. So we're going to. I might love it. So you'd rather read Lord of Scoundrels than Yours Truly? I do. Okay, so we're going to read Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase. I've never read it, but it's always talked about by people who love romance. So, all right, so we're going to leave Anna Karenina behind and read Lord of Scoundrels. All right. All right. Till next week.